What is up, guys? This is Scott from Iron Legion. This is episode 247 of Strong the Iron Will Way, official podcast of the Iron Legion Strength Company. The title of today's podcast is What You Don't See. And I'll tell you what I, uh, why that's the name. So, as many of you guys probably know, I'm preparing right now for our uh, Success Doesn't Come to Chicken Shits workshop that is coming up in February, February 8th, Saturday, uh, at Iron Legion, uh, featuring Greg Panora and Zach Evanesh and myself. Uh, It's a very cool story how that uh, came to be. Um, and I'll tell that uh, maybe today, but maybe another time. But I, in preparing for that, and preparing for what we're going to talk about, what I'm going to talk about, what everybody brings to the table, uh, it got me thinking about um, success. And, uh, you know, that's different for everybody. I mean, what, what does that mean, like success? What, I don't know. If you look at Greg and Zach and myself, like we're all successful in, in some way, some similar ways. I mean, I think we're all successful coaches, Um Greg's got a, a huge online uh, powerlifting team and a, and a, and a good uh, uh, in-person coaching business that he does. Um, I have the Iron Legion. Zach Evanish has uh, two underground strength gyms and does a lot of online stuff and does um, strength coaching for, uh, I believe he's at Rutgers now with wrestling teams, but I, actually that might not be up to date. But anyway, he's done a ton of shit. Um, all of us are fathers at this point and uh, doing a pretty good job at that, I think. So that's a huge success. So there's a lot of different ways to define a success. You know, um, is it family time? Is it financially successful? Is it making an impact on others? Is it some combination of the three? But I, I wanted to talk about, again, I, I alluded to this the other day, that when you meet me or Zach or Greg or anybody that you consider successful, and I think about this when I meet people that I look up to or I think are successful, I don't. I don't really know uh, how they got there, and I always really enjoy hearing the stories of the struggle before uh, I came across them, right? Because I just always assume that, that they have just been successful all the time, and I never think about them going through hardships to get there, and I think that's just natural, um, and not a lot of people want to wear those hardships on their sleeves, but I was thinking about throughout my entire life, if I looked at what I would consider successes and then the parts of that that we don't see that no one knows right so I'm gonna I'm gonna go back all the way and just bear with me here but I'm gonna go back all the way to like as a little kid if I think about if I were to highlight my life on a you know timeline I think my first like success highlight would be like I think I was like nine or ten and I remember winning the like all-star team MVP in Little League right and like I remember that shit and I remember the awards dinner and I remember uh, getting my little trophy and funny enough I remember even the shirt I was wearing and how skinny I felt in a shirt so that that ties into uh, what I've talked about a lot which is um, this kind of body dysmorphia shit that we all deal with and sometimes drives us to this point I mean um I don't you know I was a tiny kid and uh anyway that 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 (laughs) the fact that I remember that says a lot but anyway um so I was a pretty badass little baseball player at that age um but what I 
what people don't know, and I remember this clear as day, is I spent hours, hours in the front yard with my dad throwing me grounders, line drives, and I remember, you know, we would specifically, he would throw them like 12 feet to the side of me from 15 feet away, and I would have to take three steps and dive and catch it backhand because um, I think it was Craig Nettles was my favorite uh, Yankee third baseman at the time and that was his classic move was like a diving backhand stop at third base and then throwing a guy out at first so I was practicing that shit I mean my dad got shout out to my dad for having the patience and the willingness and the time to do that with me constantly but I probably waited by the door for him to come home and every day and we did that um, and on the weekends and um, hitting and just everything just completely obsessed with it um, and that resulted in me being pretty good at it now I don't remember any downsides at that time in my life because I was like nine so I remember it as I loved it and did it all the time but it was obviously a huge sacrifice for my dad because I can only imagine now as a dad how many things you got to do when you come home from work and him putting that aside to do that with me. Um, then I think about, uh, you know, as I went through high school, I continued to play baseball, but I kind of lost interest in baseball as I discovered hockey uh, in, ho- in high school. So same thing. I'm now 14, 15, and trying to catch up and learn hockey with all these other kids that have been playing since they were six. Um so same thing I pretty much dropped everything and spent hours um, in my basement because uh, it had like a slippery sealed cement floor uh, pa- practicing stick handling and shooting uh, in the basement in the backyard when it was warm enough that I could go out there with a street hockey ball uh, playing street hockey up at the school denting up the entire back wall of my fucking house with hockey pucks um, when I missed the net my parents, again, tolerating that because they could tell that I loved it. Me shooting pucks into the fucking dryer downstairs, them tolerating that. My sister dressing up as a goalie, my younger sister, and, and <laughs> trying to save pucks down the basement. Like So I sacrificed a lot of... Again, it was I was 15, so it wasn't a big sacrifice, but like that's all I did. Like I didn't do it a little. I did it obsessively. Um, my dad drove me an hour away to the nearest rink to take lessons, to learn how to skate. Um, it was pretty humiliating, um, trying to learn how to skate on a public open skate with other high school kids, zooming around, uh, having fun. And I'm fucking falling down in the corners because I don't know how to stop. Uh, I remember we hired a guy from the pro shop to give me lessons, uh, but we didn't have enough money for me to really do that regularly. Uh, you guys may have heard this story, but I signed up for a summer hockey camp thinking I would learn some basics. Um, and this is a whole, a long story. I'm not going to go into the whole thing. It's pretty funny, but I show up and it's like all high school hockey players that do this for the summer. So they're fucking great. And, uh, like I said, I can't skate backwards. I can't stop. So I'm literally like the laughing stock of the hockey camp for a week. Um, I've never been in that position before. It was miserable. Um, you know, I've talked a lot about the willingness to look stupid and be the new guy, um, to grow and to get somewhere new. But this was beyond. <laughs> this was like, this was like the most obvious example of that. Um, somehow, I gutted it through and came out the other side um, a much better hockey player. Uh, I think I earned some respect for the people uh, who I was playing with because 
they saw like shit man this guy's falling down and lasted every drill and kind of being laughed at the whole week and he fuck keeps coming back like holy shit so they might not have respected my abilities but they respected my tenacity for having the balls to keep coming back and uh, I think that I tell that story to my kids I tell that story to everybody because um if I told you the full story you'd get it even more but like that's that's everything right there you know uh, I made some friends even I think because again of my just refusal to fucking give up and um fast forward to um I went to college and I went to Rutgers where they had a pretty good club team because I, I was just obsessed and wanted to play I wasn't good enough to play at like a division one two three school something like that but I was still working really hard and still getting much better every day and uh I got a spot on the Rutgers team, and I think um, I did pretty well, uh, primarily because the coaches would see that I would just never give up and uh, always hustle and go as hard as I could, and that hard work beats talent, a lot of times they say, and I think um, that really showed itself, because I never had the the most talent, but I definitely was uh, someone that wasn't going to quit and kept going, and... uh, I continued to get better because uh, I didn't limit myself to thinking I was already as good as I was going to get. And um, again, I had a really f- great time playing in college. Uh, I think I was assistant captain my senior year. I was assistant coach the next year. So again, not that those are like huge accomplishments for, a, but for a kid that learned how to play when he was 15 for the first time, um, that was pretty cool. And again, it was all just hard work and commitment and not giving up, even though it seemed like this would never going to fucking happen and people were literally laughing at me and, and thinking it was a waste of time. Um, so those are like early on lessons that uh, stick with me today. Obviously, I, rec- I remember them clear as a bell and it was like, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Um, fast forward, uh, uh, my next success would probably be as a personal trainer in New York City. And again, um, you know, what you don't see there is, you know, the, at the fit- you know, when I tell people that, oh, I was a trainer in New York City, you know, I had 10 clients a day and, and this and that. I was a top, you know, one of the top producers in the entire country, over hundreds of trainers. Um, but, you know, what you don't see there is that uh, I spent five years debating whether to take the job or not. You know, I went, got offered the job and I said yes. And then I fucking chickened out before I took it because um, I was scared and uh, I was intimidated by the city. I was intimidated by uh, being in that environment and being around everybody that I imagined what they were like in New York City. I, I was intimidated by other more successful trainers at that time. Uh, everything, everything. The idea of commuting that far and trying to figure it out and just, it was a lot. So it was a lot easier and safer for me to stay living with my parents and working at a local gym and living small, small time, being a big fish in a small pond. So I convinced myself that that was the better option. And it took me five years to get the balls up uh, to try again. Uh, so that, that was a fail. Right. And then, um, but I dusted my ass off and went back five years later and tried again and spent six months again, doubting my decision, sitting in the coffee shop across the street from the gym, wondering if I made the right decision, trying to figure out how to get more clients. I had one or two people a fucking day. Um, I would not making enough money to barely cover the cost of getting in and out every day. Uh, I thought a ton of times about quitting, uh, but I kept looking at the guys that were successful and thinking I can if they can do it, I can do it. Right? This is not possible. And uh, stuck it out, stuck it out, and you know it might have been six months to a year until I finally got some traction. 
Uh, but there was many opportunities there to give up because it was not looking, you know, if you were to just observe from the outside, be like, dude, you've been here for six months. You got like 10 clients. It's time to get out of here. Um, but I knew that if I just kept going, um, I would do it. But I, I was miserable. That's what I'm saying. It sounds like a cool story. But, like, what you don't see is I was fucking miserable. I would sit in that coffee shop and, again, regret my decisions. I had crazy anxiety about approaching people on the floor to try to be, have them become clients because this is old school stuff. You know, if you're at Iron Legion now, you don't know what it's like at an old school gym where it's membership and people are just working out on their own and you have to walk up to them as a trainer and try to get them to train with you. Uh, it sucked. It's very salesman -y. Uh I'm not... I'm not into that. I didn't like it. It didn't suit me. So I wasn't great at it. Um, so it took me a long time to get clients. As I mentioned before, once I got them, I would keep them for a long time because I'm a pretty good trainer. But at the, getting them was not easy. Um, I had to drive you know, an hour to two hours in the morning and at night um, back and forth because I still lived in New Jersey. Uh, I was going through a divorce at the time. So I was just a fucking mess. Um, I literally would would get home and like felt like I'd take a long nap and turn back around um it was pretty miserable I'd fall asleep in the car pretty pretty regularly uh there was nights I slept in the car outside the gym because it wasn't worth it to go all the way home and come back at five I had a friend a client who lived across the street she let me crash on her couch a lot um and like that's not cool you know that sounds cool it's not cool you know you you're like you don't have you're not I'm not making breakfast in someone else's house that i you know, I know her, she's my client, but I'm not close with her. So I feel really awkward and ridiculous being on her couch. Um, I'm in the way. Um, I'm, I want to go to bed early, but they're still out or they're still up. Um, and on so many levels, it just sucked. Um, so again, it sounds like a cool story now, but like I fucking hated it. Um, but I, I wasn't making enough money to move closer. Um, Hoboken and, and New York were too expensive for me to live at that time. Um, so I had to keep my place in New Jersey. Again, I had just gotten divorced, so I'm uh, living in the condo that my wife and I had bought and then, um, you know, waiting to sell it because she had moved out. So I'm, I'm going back to an empty fucking condo. Um, all of this sucked, right? But in hindsight, I wouldn't change it because it, it developed, uh, you know, a mental strength that I have now and showed me that I could get through a lot of shit. But um, it wasn't easy, and that was... That was, that was still like four steps before we are here, right? So I think you see people that you consider successful, but you have no idea of the journey that it took to get there. I mean, you've probably all seen that graphic where it's like, you know, what you think success looks like. And it's this like arrow angled upward. Um, but what it really looks like is like this zigzag. And man, if that's not the truth, you know, this zigzag was up and then way fucking down and then up and then way fucking down. I mean, like all over the place it was you would if this was a stock market you'd pull your shit out real quick because there was no uh evidence that this was going in the right direction at the end of the day okay um so now uh i'm pretty successful there uh, and i would call that a win after all that right because i ended up doing really well i had great clients made a lot of money uh developed a good you know just i learned a ton uh continuously trying to get better and then i had the opportunity to go to florida and open up um, a couple of personal training studios with my brother-in-law, Eddie. Um, and again, what you don't see there is that Kristen and I lived in New York City. We both had full-time. I had my job at the gym. She had a full-time job. We both made good money. Um, 
had an apartment that we loved and we decided to, and, and, and we were having a baby, right? So we're pregnant with Charlie and we get this opportunity and, you know, again, this is a sacrifice for everybody. I mean, Kristen had to give up her job and come down to Florida. She couldn't keep that job, right? So she had to give up her job and her, you know, it was not just like a job. This was like a career for her. She had a reputation and a name in the business uh, and the, in the industry. She had to give that up. Uh, we had to basically scrounge up every penny we had uh, in our 401ks and retirement accounts and liquidate those, which you lose a shit ton of your money. When you do that, you lose like 30% of it uh, because you're taking it out too early. But that's all we had to move with. So we had to move. We had to uh, invest in the in the business. And we had a baby on the way. So now we are in Miami. Uh, we don't know anybody there except our in-laws. My career has to start over. Kristen's career has to start over. Um, we thought it was going to be really cheap to get apartments there. It was not. Uh, I mean, it was cheap compared to New York for sure. But it was not cheap. Um, the gym was like an uh, a year later in opening than we thought. Because they were kind of building the area out from scratch. Um, expen- everything, as you can imagine, like most things, cost a shit ton more than we anticipated. Um, I had to now find a place to train people because the gym wasn't going to be open. So I had to go around. And again, I'm the fucking new guy again now, guys. I'm, I'm 32 years old or something, 33 years old. And it's like I never trained anybody. I have no, I don't, I don't have a reputation there because I'm in a different fucking state, right? So now I'm trying to get someone to hire me or someone to let me train at their gym. And I'm not going to go work at a place for $12 an hour. Um, but I don't have a lot of options. So I, I had a start. I literally had a friend from New York City, Crunch, uh, connect me with a former client of his that now lived in Miami. I tracked her down. He was like, hey, my friend's moving to Miami. If you guys are looking for a trainer, she was like, oh, my God, we do. We want someone to come to our house. Dude, I had to meet them at their fucking house and do boot camp with them in their fucking driveway and in the front yard. I mean, now, luckily, it's Miami, so it's warm out and it was kind of cool. But, like, 5 in the morning, I'm meeting these uh, this uh, two sisters and their friend in the fucking street uh, doing boot camps. I started doing a boot camp in the park with uh, my sister-in-law and some of her friends. Um, I found a gym that would let me... Uh, that would hire me on to train people. That was pretty cool. Uh, but I had to build up a clientele. Um, and again, we're living on a tiny bit of savings. Um, we're, we're about to have a baby. I mean, I am riddled with anxiety because this is not going as smoothly as I thought. Uh, I don't know if this was a smart decision. I don't know. Um, it's The future is so uncertain at this point that, um, again, if you see pictures of me from then, I'm like 50 pounds lighter because I was not about working out and eating and everything else. I was just about survival at that point um, and trying to get by. And, and again, full of, of questioning my decisions and our decisions and anxiety and not being able to pay the bills. And um, I remember once the gym even opened, uh, this was around 2008 when the stock market crashed. So all businesses were struggling. Everybody was pulling out from any expenses that weren't necessary. So personal training was a quick one to go. Um, I was not making enough money to pay our rent and live in any way comfortably. 
So I'm sitting at Starbucks. I remember for hours I would just leave the gym because I had to get the fuck out of the gym because the gym would stress me out so much being there um, because I felt this incredible pressure to produce, produce, and it just wasn't happening. So I would go sit in Starbucks with my notebook and just try to come up with ideas like how to get more clients, how to make this more profitable, how to how to just work the numbers and make this work. And, you know, oh God, I was brutal, man. And um, I couldn't sleep at night. I think I've told you guys before I went through it. It's got to be a year or two years when I look at my journals of um, not being able to fall asleep. I had to drink a couple glasses of wine to even fall asleep. And then I'd wake up at three o'clock in the morning with anxiety. Um, I got prescribed anxiety pills, which I think I, I did not take because I thought, all right, I got to get gut through this. I was looking at uh, all kinds of nutritional and herbal remedies to try to get rid of this. But at the end of the day, it was just anxiety and stress because I was in a stressful situation. Nothing was going to take that away. Um, we were fortunate enough that uh, Eddie had a second location that I took over the management of that gym as well. So my salary doubled when I did that, and I was able to actually... Um, be a little, have a little breathing room. Kristen by now had started started getting clients that she worked with in a different capacity, um, but she was making money now. Uh, the kid, my daughter, was a little bit older. I don't think John was on the way yet, but I mean, it was a shit show, guys. It was brutally hard. So if I look back and tell the story about, yeah, I was a trainer in New York, and then I was, a, you know, I had I had a studio, two studios in Miami with my brother-in-law, that I moved here. Like that sounds cool, but like it wasn't fucking cool. Uh, It was fucking miserable. And again, this is all in pursuit of like my kind of dream, right? Which which I'd say is happening right now. But at the time, I didn't see this coming. Um, I also feel super responsible at the time for my family's financial well-being, for my wife having sacrificed so much and now we're struggling. And it's starting to feel like I really fucked this up. So the reason I'm telling you guys all these stories is I don't want you to think this shit is all smooth and happy and easy because when you go to do your thing whatever that thing is and it feels shitty and you're full of anxiety and you're nervous and you're uncomfortable and you're miserable you're gonna think that this is wrong I gotta bail because it's supposed to be smooth sailing it's supposed to be easy if this was meant to be no no it's not it sucks everybody that's ever done anything like this uh, will probably tell you a very similar story if you have the opportunity to ask them you're only gonna see the finished products. And honestly, I think we forget half the time this shit. You know, I always joke around about like when my wife was pregnant, um, much of it was enjoyable, but much of it was fucking miserable. And she forgets all of that, right? I, I, and we always joke that that's the only reason the human race continues to procreate is because we forget how miserable being pregnant is. So you're like, oh, let's do it again. But like, or maybe not the pregnant part, but the first two years of the kid's life when you are not sleeping and you're constantly... Um, just awake and stressed and trying to figure it all out like it's pretty fucking rough and we all forget that once they're a little older um that's kind of what happens with all these things you know you remember which is a good thing right good part of human nature remember the good parts but man there is a lot of tough shit on the way up um and then again i could keep going on forever and ever and i feel like i have but last example so if i'm looking at i'm sitting outside the gym now iron legion and again we have one two three basically four separate rooms in this mill building. Uh, and we started out with one and then we went to two and then went to three. And then we just recently got the fourth one, uh, like this, this month. It sounds really cool too, right? Like, Oh man, what a cool story. I still remember, I just realized this the other day, I have a tattoo on my arm because it was, it was put there 
to remind me to stay strong and that um, it, it says fortune favors the bold because at the time when we rented the second location, the second space, uh, I couldn't afford it. I mean, the gym, we guys, we used the Wi-Fi from the fucking company next door because I didn't want to pay $100 a month for Wi-Fi. Like, that's how tight the budget was for the first couple years of growing this thing. It was barely eking by. So I had to manage every cent. Um, I was barely paying myself at all. And again, here we go. Uh, a, a huge risk. I, lo- I left my corporate job. You guys probably, I remember I mentioned a few episodes back, I got fired from that once they realized I was opening this gym. So now here's my benefits. Here's my guaranteed salary gone. Um, relying now on Kristen's job to, she had got a full-time job, really, really good job. She was going to be offered benefits. We had to take that gamble. And now, um, you know, I'm risking my family's future again to do this shit. Uh, I got two kids and they're older now, um, but still obviously very dependent on us. And uh, financially, I got to perform. So for the first six months to a year, the trainers made more than me. Uh, I could barely afford to pay myself because I had to take every cent and pay, try to grow the business. Uh, when we opened that second location, it was only, um, you know, it was not that that much money more to rent per month, but we had to get some equipment for it. We literally, John and I just changed out some of that equipment yesterday and we're laughing about how we got, I remember buying those racks and finding the, the least expensive ones we could get that would still do the job because I didn't have a budget for it. Um, we bought 45 plates, pound plates, one at a time. You know, if I look in there now, there's probably 40 plates in there, 50 plates in there, but there was, I'd buy two, I'd buy two. We'd drive an hour away to buy a bunch of shit from a guy in a warehouse. Um, but I got the tattoo because I needed a reminder not to be a pussy and that success doesn't come to chicken shits. And like, yeah, you're going to be nervous and hopefully you can make this thing work and pay for that space. Um, but there's a chance that it won't. You know, uh, that's when we started the Women's Strength and the Men's Lift program. Is a small, it's a group um, strength training program that uh, doesn't exist. And we didn't exist. And we started it out of necessity because we needed to find a less expensive way for people to get strength training in than personal training. And we needed to find a way to um, get more clients and make our business more accessible to other people. And uh, that's what that room was going to be for. Uh, but it was a complete gamble because, again, again, I didn't see that anywhere else to learn it from. Uh, we weren't doing it, so we had to figure it out and try it. And uh, now in hindsight, it was obvious and successful. It was great. But, like, at the time, it was, again, sleepless nights, uncertainty, anxiety about how to do it, anxiety about if this was a good idea. A year or two later, we doubled our space by going across the hall and renting a bigger space. And, again... I'm pretty sure I got another tattoo about that one because I was like, holy shit, man, this is really scary now. Security deposits, you double your rent, you double your expenses, you got to spend $15,000 on equipment. Like, that takes a long time to recoup, guys. You got to put all that money out and then you don't, you don't all of a sudden have five more trainers and 100 more clients. That's not how it works. You got to put that money out, cross your fingers and hustle your ass off. And then later... That'll start paying itself for itself, and then it'll start becoming profitable, but there's no guarantees. Uh, even this space we just rented next door, uh, literally right now, I'm building it out today. Um, I had to spend more money on the rent already. I had to put down a security deposit for that space. I had to spend money on equipment for that space. That space is not providing any income yet, 
right? Um, I believe that it will down the road. It'll pay for itself and then some. But at the time, right now, all it is is a gigantic expense. Well, when you have your own business, what people don't realize is that expense is comes out of my bank account. Like, yeah, it's the gym's account, but like that's how I get paid, right? So, if that's five thousand dollars, that's five thousand dollars that. I could have had, my family could have had, that we don't have because we're putting it into this gym, thinking that it'll pay back in a year, two, three, or four. But that's not an easy conversation with your significant other uh, when you're trying to live a life and have a family and make family plans, right? So these are all things that you run into when you pursue success in any arena, okay? So I'm going to cut it off now because I'm going too long and I got to go to work, but uh, whether you're, you know, I think about when I competed in bodybuilding, that was a success. Well, you got to sacrifice. It's, again, it seems cool. You see somebody on stage and winning a trophy and it's great. And you, oh, you appreciate the dedication sacrifice, but what you don't realize it's not just doing cardio and training all the time and eating the same way and, and avoiding alcohol and desserts. It's a thousand conversations with your girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, parents about why you can't um, stay stay late because you got to get up early. Why you can't go to the movies because you can't eat popcorn. Why you can't do something, go skiing on Saturday because you got to train. Those are very uncomfortable conversations with your loved ones who might not get it 100%. Um, and you're sacrificing, you know, and they're they're feeling uh, they're taking the back seat to your hobby. Um, it feels very selfish to them that you have to fucking eat nine times a fucking day and train every day and look at yourself in the mirror all the time. Um, you know, people don't understand that journey that aren't on it. And that's very understandable, but it's super hard. So, you know, again, you see someone doing it and you think it's cool, and, but, and you see the diet, you see the training, but what you don't see is the emotional toll that uh, this takes on relationships and families and friends and jobs. You know, people training for contests, uh, you know, they, they have to take breaks from work and eat. They have to, they're not going to stay and do overtime because they got to go to the gym. Like there's so many uh, ripples of, of effects of these things that you just don't see from the outside. So my point in all this, guys, is if you are going to undertake anything any kind of journey that you want to achieve success, whether that's business, um, com- competition, personal stuff, whatever it is, um, there, is there are going to be extremely hard times that nobody else sees. And I just want you to know that that's normal. That's part of it. Uh, when you come out the other side, that's the beauty of it. I mean, when I tell these stories, I fucking love it because I can't, I, I forget all these things until I start talking about them. And that's what makes it rewarding you know I was in there yesterday working on this uh, new room of the gym and like that's what I fucking love dude like I love I'm my whole day is blocked off today to work on that room that's what I love the growth and the the challenge of it all so when you look back what you remember is getting through the hard times you know people tend to remember people it's proven that people bond over stressful times. You know, it's a reason that people that were in the military together are so close. People that were on sports teams are so close because you go through these like difficult times um, and, it, and it brings you together when you come out the other side. People that have been through uh, real traumas together uh, have a bond that's different. And I, I think that's what it's all about. So embrace the struggle. Through struggle is born strength. That's how, that's why we do this shit. That's why we take on these challenges. Um, 
So when these things come up, don't question your... I mean, you're going to question your decision. That's fine. But understand that that's normal. It's not a sign from God that you shouldn't have done this. It's a sign that you got to dig deep, um, prove to the universe that you want to make this happen, um, find ways to work around the roadblocks because you'll run into things that you thought were going to work that don't. Again, that's not a sign to quit. That's a sign to take a different approach and a different method. Uh, we've done that a million times with this business, and I'm sure we'll continue to do so. Um, so uh, carry on and uh, go forth and conquer. See you guys.